Hello and welcome to Dragon's Demise, the podcast about what happens on, around, and behind the tabletop. I'm Greg B., joined as always by Jacob. Hello. And by special guest co-host, Leslie. Hello. Today, uh, we're going to be taking some time to celebrate International Women's Day by talking about the representation of women in board games. But first, let's talk about what we've been playing. And I know Jacob and I haven't had a chance to play a whole lot, but you... Me. Leslie, uh, have had a chance to play a lot of games <laughs> on your phone. Yes. So last Friday, there was a huge storm on the East Coast, and I was unfortunately traveling in- to Minneapolis for work, <laughs> and I was supposed to fly back on the day of the storm, and because of so many flights being canceled, I ended up getting a stuck in minneapolis for an entire extra day and a half yeah and also they routed me through miami from minneapolis to miami to dc so that was a good (laughs) 11 to 12 hours ish a travel it's definitely a suboptimal flight plan yeah well you know i just wanted to go home (laughs) (laughs) so but thankfully i have a lot of hobbies and i had knitting and i had an audiobook and i had a lot of games on my phone my two favorites i would say are potion explosion Mm. uh, which i gotta admit i i love potion explosion on my phone the uh, phone app does not replace the fun of all of the little marbles hitting each other in the actual <laughs> game. Um, so that's one where I like both versions of the game. It is pretty entertaining. You can play offline against the AI mm-hmm. in the game, so you don't have to worry about being connected to the internet. So I played it on the plane. That's nice. Um, yeah. And it was it's a really good app game, I think. Also, I played Lanterns on my phone and that is actually a situation where i think that is a better app game for me personally Mm. than the actual game i played that once at labyrinth at our local game store with my husband and he was just not at all interested in that game but (laughs) i feel like it's a pretty good solitaire game so it works really well as an app interesting Um, if you haven't played uh lanterns you it's a game where you are collecting little lanterns for a lantern ceremony, and the game has really cute animation and Ooh. a little. It's <laughs> Jacob is intrigued. <laughs> I am intrigued. Um, cute animations. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and the little lanterns float on the water, and I can sit there and turn my little cards around as many times as I want and entertain <laughs> myself. And it's a quick game too, so, and you can play two three or four different players yeah whatever you want there's a couple different ways you can play it so i'm super grateful to be someone with many hobbies that <laughs> doesn't get bored too much i got lonely because i really wanted to go home but i had a lot of hobbies and games and yarn to keep me company that's really good to have that <laughs> i mean in general when traveling the apps the travel apps for board games there are some really good ones out there Though, while you were stuck in Minneapolis, the two of us were getting our asses whooped by Pandemic Legacy. We were, it's true. Uh, So those of you who tuned into the stream last Friday, I guess would be two Fridays ago now at the time this airs, will have seen us lose horribly in March. Uh, We lost two games in a row in March for Pandemic Legacy Season 2. And I can't even really put my finger on one thing that really fell apart. Part of me wants to say it's the fact that we had won February in a single month after winning January, so we were down to two funding yeah. at the start of the month, and that was kind of rough. 
but also I think we just we got hammered by the epidemics. I think a lot of it was just we had very misplaced uh, priorities in both times because we were so like you know aiming for exploring South America that like we were just going whole ham on that especially the first game we were just we were just like even if we lose we want to have this explored right and so we really really went on that and i think that that helped us a lot in in the loss and then during the second game we just weren't able to get <laughs> cubes on the board yeah we we were really screwed on the cubes we i i'm pretty sure in the entire run of the game, from from start until we lost, I don't think we saw a single produced supplies card. We did not. Oh, we did that's not. Rough. Um, yeah, yeah. That and is rough. you know, even with courier and your special ability, like yeah. there was only so much that you could do on a turn. And on our our turns, making supplies is horrendously inefficient. So not only that, but like because of the way that we were playing, we really didn't even focus on that because I spent at least like two or three turns where I didn't even do what I could do. Right. Because of the fact that we were just like, no, 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 we have to put in the supply centers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And which I mean, like at the time sounded like a pretty good idea, but looking back on it, it was just like, we were just letting those things get thinner and thinner and thinner where it's just like, we literally, I think had uh, at one point, I don't know, maybe like 10 cubes on the board total. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah, out of 30, so like 20 in the supply and 10 cubes on the board. We, like, at that point, it was like, it was, we were too far gone. Yeah. Like, we were dead. Do you have any city that seems to just suck your supply dry? <laughs> so, <laughs> let me tell you something about Jacksonville, Florida. That's our game, too. <laughs> uh, and it's Vindicated. the worst thing because, so, Jacksonville itself seems to yes. come up. <laughs> preternaturally often yes which is made all the better by the fact that our other player william is from jacksonville so he absolutely <laughs> refuses any time like i'm sure william is a good player yes. he sure. knows that sometimes things will have to fall and i'm yeah. sure that half the time he's joking but he is always like no we can't let jacksonville lose population we have to go there now and like yep. i swear to god it just it's always drawn in every single game usually two cards sometimes three yep and i'm like how is this happening it's it's jacksonville <laughs> and it's london uh yeah cairo is the other one that gets, yeah gets hammered a little bit but there yeah. is a permanent supply center there so it sort of counterbalances itself i think we have one there as well um, that's just we have this ongoing joke about jacksonville in our game as well because it's my husband and I and another couple, and they are both from Florida, <laughs> but not Jacksonville. So oh, okay. there's there's an ongoing struggle with us trying to protect Jacksonville and, and Hunter like... trying Hunter being my husband. For those of you who don't know, trying to take all of the supplies from Jacksonville, and literally we always start the game with like three or four things there, and inevitably the first set of cards like they're down to one supply, <laughs> yep. and there's this. Just constant joke about all the people in Jacksonville. They just keep eating everything. And why can't they calm down? It's a problem. Yep. So yep. it's it's not you. It's the game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wonder if there's a secret, like, there's a quantum balance in the deck that's tilted toward. It's like Schrodinger's Jacksonville, right? Schrodinger's <laughs> Jacksonville. A card is simultaneously Jacksonville and not Jacksonville until it's drawn. Yeah. That, but yeah, so that was that. Yeah. We got a little hammered. We, we got very, very hammered. I mean, we we even have a city now at zero. Mexico City, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it was at one population when we scouted it. Right. Um, and then we never invested in 
Well, we almost didn't have a chance to because we connected it to the game before. Right. Um, yeah. And so we, we weren't able to raise this population. It fell to zero, and we were just like, well, we get to open a box now, and it tells us to open another box like seven games early, and we're like, well, this can't be good. So looking forward to trying to salvage that situation. As Jacob alluded to, we haven't actually explored South America yet, but I'm sure eventually Mexico City will be sort of a, a nexus leading down to South America, which is going to be a lot of fun to route through. Yep. Um, I, what even do you say? <laughs> right? It's just bad news bears. Jacksonville. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what you say. Um, exactly. Other than that, we've actually been playing, actually playtesting another game, which we are both really excited about. It's a lot of fun. It's super good. It's a game called Crossing Olympus, and it is a purely two-player game. It has a lot of chess-like elements in mm-hmm. that each piece has a certain kind of movement and that kind of stuff. But some of the cool parts about it are, first of all, your pieces are Greek gods. So well, that in cool. itself, like, you know. It's very hard to have an uninteresting <laughs> game when Greek gods are involved. And then the other thing is, is that each one is unique. And they also have health, so it's not like, you know, in chess, as soon as you hit someone, they're done. It's you actually have to, like, hit them a certain number of times or with a certain kind of person in order to kill them. So, as you could expect, Zeus is the most powerful. Of course, he's quite well counterbalanced by a Hera. <laughs> One would expect. She, yeah, she is the only unit in the game, apart from another Zeus, that can one-shot a Zeus. Yes. So You can have multiple Zeus? Uh, well, each player has a Zeus. What is yes. the, oh, what is the plural of Zeus? Zai? Zeus's? Zai. <laughs> No. Probably. Yeah, it's probably Zeus's. Anyway, and, we're very far afield. I apologize. And the goal of the game is to get to your opponent's gate. And you have to move there, and the gate has to be empty in order for you to step on it. As soon as you step on it, the game's over. Uh-huh. Either that or kill everyone else's uh, character. Those are pretty much the two ways that you can win. And it's really just very, very interesting because each character has a different movement and both of you have a copy of each character. Like, you know what's going to come up at some point. And, like, you have powers, like, for example, Hades. Oh, God, Hades. Oh, my God. He's, like, the best. He's my favorite. He's got chains. So what he can do is as soon as he moves next to someone on his turn, he can chain them and bind them so they cannot do anything else. Wow. So, and also whenever he attacks, he attacks everything around him. And can bind one of the things that he attacks. so And he can keep getting more and more people bound. So he can, at most, have eight pieces bound. Yeah, but you have to be facing a straw man or like yes. a goldfish in order to get eight <laughs> people bound as Hades. But yes, like theoretically, he's capable of doing that. He's an incredibly powerful defensive hero. Oh, yeah. But you've also got, you know, really sort of stealth good powers like Aphrodite. Each mm-hmm. god has a special ability. Hades is the binding, binding people. Yeah. Um, Aphrodite's allows her to switch places with any character on the map. Yeah, or um, any allied character. Any allied character, importantly. Which means, one, she is fairly powerful herself. Her attack is is pretty strong and Mm -hmm. can take out many gods in a single hit. But also, you know, one of the drawbacks of stronger characters like Zeus or Hephaestus are the fact that they're balanced by a low movement speed. So you can, you know, get Aphrodite, who has a very high movement speed, out into the field, get her into position, swap with a Zeus, and just start taking pot shots at people. And it's a it's a really powerful ability. And oh, it's yeah. evolved to be, I think, one of our favorites. Yeah, no, we we always very much focus on Aphrodite and uh, whenever we can get her out. So yeah, but 
we have played the game now that we have a playtest version given to us by the developer i actually brought it to work i have a couple mm-hmm. co-workers who are avid gamers and i have been intending to teach them how to play but we are looking forward to doing a review of that very soon mm-hmm. possibly as early as next week and it's going to be a lot of fun obviously we won't be able to to give it a proper buy it play it skip it because it's not out yet but we're definitely excited about talking about the features and drumming up some interest so Will it be on Kickstarter or? Yes, yes, it will be on Kickstarter. The date for the Kickstarter is not yet set. We've been talking with the designer about how and when, because he's also the first time publishing a game and anything like that. There's a lot of hurdles there, but we're really excited to see when he when he brings it up to Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And there you go. That's a look at what we've been playing. All right. So, uh, happy International Women's Day. This episode will air after March 8th, which is International Women's Day. But a few weeks ago, I posted to Facebook how I was excited that Jessica Jones is coming out on International Women's Day. Mm -hmm. I'm sure by the time you're hearing this, I have probably watched all of it. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds about right. Um, But I thought it was really unique that they were releasing the female superhero Netflix show on International Women's Day. And then Jacob commented that maybe we should do a special episode of the podcast for International Women's Day. So we thought of a lot of different things and we settled on discussing positive representation of women in board games. This is Overall, positive representation of women in general in media is super important to me as a female. I grew up always kind of searching for that in media and sometimes finding it and sometimes not. And so I grew up in Alaska where men are men and women win the Iditarod. And we learned that we could do anything anybody else could do. And uh, I always felt pretty strongly feminist, pretty strongly fearless. And um, I'm very excited to see that there's more and more representation of that side of feminism in the world. It was also really important to me that we only focus on positive representation because we're not going to move forward telling people what they've done wrong. We're not going to move forward saying your art is bad because X whatever reason or your representation is bad. So I really wanted to focus on all things that are good and things that people are doing really well and that way people will hopefully be encouraged to do that more. I have a niece. She's I apologize. I'm a terrible aunt. She's either four or five. Um, I think she's five. Uh, She lives far away, and I don't get to see her much. But every Gen Con and every gaming convention I go to, I buy her a new board game, and she knows the Haba logo, and she knows when she's got a box from Auntie. It's got board games in it, and it was my biggest personal victory as an aunt when she said to my mom, Grandma, put away the tablet. I want to play a board game. <laughs> she was two and a half at go. the time. That's uh, pretty awesome. Doing it right. Right? So, you know, I'm bringing her into this world of gaming, and I want it to be a place where she feels safe and comfortable. Yeah. And I am really, really passionate about that and about other little girls who are looking to play games and experience this awesome hobby that we all share. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, representation in general is important to everyone having an equal representation of men and women in game and game art and game design is just going to make the hobby stronger 
than it already is. I mean, it is a, a whole other half of the population that we really just want to have included. In general, I always find it really, really cool to see roles almost reversed, vast as the knight as a woman. And that shouldn't be something that, you know, is as noticed as it is, but in the world as it is today, it's extremely noticeable. That's one really good step of that. And I really value games that have things like that. Right. And so much of this is sort of just breaking down barriers and breaking down expectations, right? You know, you can raise the question, oh, well, why is this important? It's important because people see themselves. People like to see themselves. And it's important mentally and sort of socially for people to be able to see themselves in the media that they consume, whether that's television and film, as Leslie mentioned, or whether that's board games, this this hobby, this thing that we do that we all love so much. And seeing different people, different perspectives, and being able to construct a more fully realized vision of the world through board games is something that I think is super important. And it's it's easy to do. It's 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 so easy to do that it almost seems silly to have this conversation, but at the same time, there's been a lot of resistance historically, and it's it's been something that movement on has been quite slow, but we're starting to see very good things. You know, we're starting to see all of the games that we're going to mention today. We're starting to see movements towards more women who are designing games, making art for games, things like that, and representing themselves and people who look like them in games for the people who look like them who want to play games. And I think all of it just sort of works together to create this incremental progress where eventually we're going to get to a point where nobody thinks about it. Nobody comments on the fact that the knight in Vast is a woman because, yeah, why wouldn't she be? Right. There was a quote on The Daily Show where um, one of the commentators said that we will win when there is a movie about a a female superhero who is not attractive. (laughs) I loved Wonder Woman. I cried. I didn't think I would cry when I saw Amazons fighting on a beach, but I totally cried when I saw Amazons fighting on a beach because I could see myself there. You know, it was very exciting for me. And when that's not a unique experience, that's when we will have made it. I think that's absolutely correct. And I, too, when I pick up a game and they're, you know, obviously Euro games you pick a color and you move on but I I like to be able to put myself into the shoes of the character that I'm playing and I have a hard time personally doing that when I'm playing male characters and I know plenty of other people don't care what gender they're playing and they can play the male characters and they pick by the power stats that they're playing but that's that's not how I play you can you know I always pull the characters and I might pick based on the art pick based on the characters but i typically will gravitate towards the female characters because that's where i feel comfortable makes sense and also just a note because this is international women's day we're talking about specifically the representation of women in games and this is not to minimize at all representation of you know non-binary people any other racial representation or anything like that that is extremely valuable as well But because this is an International Women's Day episode, we will be focusing on representation of women in board gaming. Also to note that we're all 
yes. white. We're, so, we're pretty white. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, that's, I feel like it's very, very important. And in, the, yeah. in that situation, I'm an ally and not a leader. And yes. others, you know, yeah. I can lead for women because I am one. And uh, in other situations, I'm happy to support the cause and cheer everyone on i will give a shout out really quick because i think it's important to gloomhaven because they're most of the characters in that game are really cool looking and you kind of don't know what gender they are they could be non-binary they could be male they could be female and it actually made it harder for me to pick a character because i was like but which ones are the female characters i don't know oh, well, I guess I'll have to read more about the characters and pick based on their races. And uh, I made it a different and unique situation, but it was unique to see that in a game. Mm-hmm. Definitely. In a very good way, for that matter. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. The characters are really cool. And, of course, we have all the miniatures are all painted. <laughs> oh, man. Hunter's good at those. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if Painted miniatures. I wonder what that's like. <laughs> You can find out at my house. Uh, yeah, I'm just kidding. I love Jacob. <laughs> Greg stares intently at me. <laughs> but so to kick things off with the the specific games, one of the things that we want to start with is a very sort of popular trend that I think we've all noticed in games where there are characters where the most important thing is the class or some other category mm-hmm. as opposed to the character themselves. So thinking about something like role player where you're looking yeah. at a race something like robinson crusoe where you're looking at your role either you know whether that's carpenter or cook and in many of these games including the two that i just mentioned your character mats are flippable um, yeah. so the, on one side you've got a male version of the character and on the other side you've got a female version of the same character which is amazing it's super easy to do it it absolutely gets at this you know this goal of representation people who want to play a female character can do that people who want to play a male character can do that it's I think a fantastic design choice and I would love to see more of it. That said, I think in this particular episode, one of the things that we really wanted to focus more on was games that have sort of individual characters, characters who are singular and who in their design happen to be women, whether that's, you know, specific strong women or whether that's majority of the characters in the game. And so I think those are the games that we're going to focus on here as we discuss perfect so i guess i will dive right in yeah Um, my first game is ashes rise of the phoenix born it is a two-player i believe there's a four-player option but i don't believe it worked well when we tried to play it but the two-player version works really well every player takes the role of a phoenix born which is basically a demigod a protector of the universe it's it's a two-player game your goal is to beat the other phoenix born ultimately What's really cool about this game, well, first of all, the art on this game is probably, I know we talk a lot about Red Raven games and Ryan Lockett, but this, (laughs) the art in this game is probably the best art on any game I've ever seen. It's a game by Plaid Hat. Um, The designer is one of the designers of Dead of Winter. Isaac Vega designed this game and the artist is a woman. Fernanda Suarez, and I apologize if I didn't pronounce that quite correctly, but she also worked on the art for Dead of mm-hmm. Winter as well. And I I was just smitten by the art from step one from this game. And two of the six starting characters, the six starting Phoenix Borns you get when you get this game, four of them are women. And I think this was the first situation 
where I picked up a game and that was the case. And these women are badass. They're not (laughs) just like, I don't know, it's hard to explain. I'm sitting here looking at all the art and I really wish I could show it through this microphone and I can't. There is a really cool voodoo priestess and she's got a skull mask on and her her power is screams of the departed whenever a unit under the opponent's leaves play she can spend power basically to deal damage to the other phoenix born and i read a description today online of that character that described her as kind of like ursula and the little mermaid (laughs) you know you go to her and ask her for something and she'll give it to you with a price (laughs) you know so she's super unique and then there's kind of like victorian looking character who has got some kind of crazy glowy magical powers and her power is called heart's pull she allows you to draw a card and then you can target the other character to draw a card off of their pile which can be really detrimental in the game because basically if you run through all of your cards Mm -hmm. you lose Um, so (laughs) i was like that seems odd but (laughs) now i get it yep makes sense well but they the other player has to discard it so they don't like i get to use mine um i believe i actually i apologize i haven't played this game in a little while we did take this game on our honeymoon (laughs) (laughs) the box is pretty large but you really only need the dice and then whatever characters you're playing so it can Mm. pack up pretty easily and then there's mayoni viper phoenix born of silverwood and she's got scary snakes and she's very like egyptian in nature and you know her quote on her card is i defend this world and the next she's pretty cool uh i actually pretty badass yeah yeah. that's yeah (laughs) the words right out of my mouth i really um i really enjoyed playing that character she's got like snakes very like cleopatra-esque type character and then there's aradel summerguard which is clearly some kind of viking priestess and it's funny she says be gone interloper which is exactly what tempest says in sentinels it is (laughs) (laughs) and i actually think she's probably the most powerful character in the game because i played her and hunter could not beat me (laughs) there you go stick with that one yeah so and i have to tell this cool story so Before I bought this game, I was wandering around Gen Con. This was Gen Con 2015. And I came across this little girl in this amazing little fairy costume with multiple arms. And she looked so cute. And I asked her mom and her if I could take her picture. And then I went on about my day. And about an hour or two later, I sat down to demo a game. Ashes Rise of the Phoenix Born, and I sat down with this character, Ardell Summerguard, and I pull out the character she can summon, and there's this little fairy <laughs> that looks exactly like the little girl I just saw. And how cool is it that this little girl found a character that she could cosplay? And yeah. she, this, this girl was probably six years old. I was just so ecstatic that she, this little girl found something she wanted to represent and yeah. in the game apparently there was another day she she did a cosplay from mice and mystics as well but i missed Ooh. that one um so yeah i i just thought that was absolutely amazing so yeah the 
the characters can summon different spirits. All of them have very unique personalities. There's a quote on every card that mm-hmm. really creates an ambiance for the game and for the character. Mm-hmm. I mean, like in general, like just that story about the girl already shows just how much this kind of representation already has an effect. Right. Yeah. I mean, she found a character that she could emulate and be like, all right, I want to play cosplay this. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I did a little poking around online and investigating, and it was a very conscious decision that they made, the designers and Plaid Hat. Mm-hmm. They felt that they wanted to represent characters in a different light. They didn't want just scantily clad women throwing around magic spells. They wanted yeah. chicks with giant hammers and cool armor and just badass women, strong female characters. And they felt it was necessary to start representing women a bit more realistically. And I just have to really support that. And it really resonates with me that they thought about that before creating the game. Yeah. And I really appreciate that. So good on you, Plaid Hat. Thank you. <laughs> I really appreciate you. Great job. And from there, we'll jump into the the next game. This one is one that all of us have played and I think all of us really enjoy. And it's one that I have definitely gone on about quite a bit. I've even put it on my top shelf. Mm -hmm. And that is Scythe. So Scythe is really cool because in terms of the representation, you have, in the starting game, three characters who are female. You have Anna of Polonia. You have Olga of the Rusviet. And then you have Princess Zera of the Crimea. And all three of them are really just pretty damn badass oh yeah (laughs) i mean you have anna who is a a, you know fighter with a pet bear who goes around in this world post world war one in this alternate history where you know she's just you know fucking shit up yeah it's hard Um, not to be a badass with a bear yeah exactly then you have olga who has a tiger She's also, you know, one of the heiresses there and like also I think she was also part of the army and like was one of the most highly trained people in the entire army. So all these characters have really, really deep backstories. And even the expansion also has two other heroes that have been added with the two new factions and kept that balance where it had uh, one more female hero from the Togawa faction and then one male hero from the Albion faction. Mm-hmm. I think one of the best things about Scythe is just because it has such amazing artwork and so much of it, it's really cool to be able to see all of these characters in all the different scenes. So both in the art book, you can look through it all and it has a lot of these characters represented and also through the pretty much the scenes that you pick up during the game whenever you go on like these like almost mini adventures and you always have one of these characters in there interacting with the landscape and it just it shows that these are all very very strong characters and really it is the artwork that does that for Scythe and definitely the the fact that it is so well represented just helps a lot I do love the artwork and size as well. And, mm-hmm. and having a background in Russian makes it even more interesting. Yes, we, I grew up in Alaska. I see it from my house, so I speak <laughs> Russian. But um, on that another day, in this game, it's just normal. You know, yeah. it it's not... And I think probably, too, in, in Ashes, is it, it's not approached as anything weird. It's just yeah. that, yeah. oh, 
this faction happens to be run by a woman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She just happens to be one of the best operatives in the entire army, so she's sent on this mission. Yeah, you know, sure. That's fine. It's yeah. completely normal. Yeah, it's it's absolutely about normalization. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and try to say that I think, you know, board games are going to change the world completely. Um, but, you know, when you've got, maybe a little bit. I mean, when you've got in real life, people, you know, try to make the argument against, you know, female firefighters, female soldiers on the, the grounds that, you know, statistically they're not as strong physically as men and all of these sort of like very reductive. You we know, then point at Leslie. <laughs> right, who does CrossFit and could like bench press both of us at the same time? Um, no, not a, I could deadlift you. Okay, oh, that's still better. I couldn't deadlift myself. <laughs> um, you know, but people make these these sorts of arguments that are really based on junk science, and so to see games like you know Ashes or Scythe or you know the one that I'm going to talk about here, Dragon and Flagon, where you have female characters in roles that are outside of you know, sort of the commonly prescribed, you mm-hmm. know, they're not necessarily wizards or rogues or, or, you know, classes that rely on things other than strength. You know, in Dragon and Flagon, the barbarian is female. The cleric who's wielding a hammer as big as her head is female. And so it's just these sorts of things that in little ways, I think, work to deconstruct a lot of these harmful stereotypes. Yeah, yeah. And I, th- I think that's a perfect segue to go ahead and talk a little bit more about Dragon and Flagon. Yeah, so so Dragon and Flagon is an amazing game for representation for a lot of reasons. We said at the outset that we weren't going to talk about race, but I think Dragon and Flagon does an amazing job with that. It does an amazing job with sort of representing different body types and women. Five of the nine playable characters are women, and they come in a whole bunch of different sort of varieties. You know, like Mm -hmm. I mentioned, you've got the barbarian and the cleric. You've also got... The druid, of course, your favorite character. Yep. The the mage in this isn't some sort of wizened old man with a staff and a beard and a, a hat. It's a it's a woman wearing a hijab, which is amazing. You know, you never see that, and it does an amazing job of taking these characters and making them unique and powerful and still balanced. Yeah. Um. But the the female characters are just in it. They're in the thick of it. They're they're throwing mugs around. They're yanking tables out from underneath. And you know, there's no gameplay differences apart from the fact that they have different class abilities and these classes just happen to be women in this case and i think that uh, dragon flagon is a really good example of this type of thing that we've been talking about and with that i think we'll go back the top with a game that we recently did talk about on the podcast but i think has a very very unique way of almost showing representation and that's sentinels of the multiverse yeah absolutely like i said i'm sure i said this on our review but you know that was one of the first games that really got me into gaming more actively and it was really nice to be able to open up the box i I couldn't tell you off the top of my head what the split is for male female characters in that game but being able to open the box and have many choices that i felt comfortable putting myself right into Tachyon is my super favorite character. She's a super smart scientist, and she also happens to run really fast, and that's really cool. And the first time I played that character, I dealt like 18 points of damage in one hit, (laughs) and it felt amazing. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's good. You just, you know, it 
takes takes a little while to build up. Um, you can't see me, but I'm pretending to run in my seat. Um, and, and actually, it's worth mentioning that when I listened to the letters page, which is the podcast about Sentinels of the Multiverse, I learned that that character is actually lesbian and married to a supermodel. And how convenient to be married to a supermodel who's traveling all over the world and be a speedster and be able to meet her wherever you can be. Um, I would love that power. It, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> the being married to a supermodel or oh, well, running really fast. That's a that's just a great life circumstance. <laughs> I don't think I would call that a superpower. But I think the two together work really well because yeah. her wife is super busy and they you know, they're often not in the same place, but she can meet up with her at any time because yeah, she can run really fast. And and it's not that she has super lesbian powers she just happens to be a lesbian and i thought that was really cool yeah uh, some of my favorite uh, people are lesbians so um i think representation again while that's not our focus today also is important yeah and, and one of the things that i think sentinels does amazingly which leslie you're just literally demonstrating <laughs> is the fact that all of these characters have actual deep stories behind them mm-hmm. and this isn't like, you know, you're, the powers from the class or anything like that. It's like, no, every single one of these characters has a story, a whole backstory, a life. Like, you know, all these are very, very fleshed out characters. And I really appreciate that about Sentinels. Is that you can go as deep into this as you would like. And I feel like that is one of the reasons that I think Sentinels almost does one of the best jobs in all of the board games that I've seen with representation. Yeah. yeah. One of my other favorite characters is Skyscraper. Mm-hmm. who is an alien so yeah she happens to be pink and she's <laughs> awesome and she can grow really big and strong and hit things or really tiny and do super secret things uh, sort of ant-man kind of powers yeah and their version of batman called the wraith is also female mm-hmm. and she's super cool she's pretty awesome yeah uh, I love playing Wraith. Wraith was my number two favorite character for a long time. Uh, then I got Skyscraper and an expansion. Right. And, and I Unseated. really... Yeah. I just, there's just something about throwing things around and becoming giant that um, was really attractive to me. <laughs> Which is funny because I am so short. But there's a lot of other really cool female characters in there as well. There's Unity who builds robots and makes friends with them. And... There's so many, I can't even remember them all. Knife, the Scottish one that mm-hmm. a hunter was playing when Who we played. kicked ass. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Who like single-handedly took down a four-star boss. Yeah, I remember yeah. Knife. <laughs> <laughs> um, Who was her nemesis for that matter. Yes. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, she took down Progeny. With our help, yes. we were very helpful. Yeah. We yeah. were necessary. Yep. Yeah. Tacking on a special. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wow, that hypersonic assault. Anyway, yes. not to get too far down that path, but so Knife has a really amazing backstory, and I highly recommend listening to that episode. Also, the character you played that game, Parse. Yes. Uh, not that game, but the game before that we played. Yeah. Um, Parse is a great character. It's so diverse and interesting. It's actually interesting to think because she's very much like Hawkeye. Hawkeye, yes who is typically masculine and Mm -hmm. then there's wraith which is very clearly a lot like batman Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of they've taken a lot of masculine superheroes and now they're the women with similar powers and yeah i mean obviously there's there's plenty of female speedsters in the 
multiverse jesse mm-hmm. quick and other ones there's so many speedsters <laughs> how did they fix the problem well they ran really fast <laughs> so whatever gets a job done right? right exactly yeah one of the things that i think is really noteworthy about sentinels it's it's hard to talk about women in comic book media without bringing up sort of the glaring issues of you know hypersexualization you've got the infamous is it catwoman or batwoman cover you've got you know sort of power girl and her boob window you know all of these sorts of things that are just very common i would say i i'm not a person who reads comic books but i am aware of lots of problems with representation of female characters in those media and i think sentinels of the multiverse does a really good job of avoiding those pitfalls they represent their female characters as you know characters they treat them with dignity and and they're never put into any sort of like overly sexualizing position all of their art is just you know depicting them in action sequences or you know preparing for a mission or gearing up things like that and there's never any gratuitousness i think Mm -hmm. is really the best word to describe what sentinels does a good job of avoiding it's important to me to say that just because a character is sexy doesn't necessarily mean that that's bad but there needs to be more to her than that for me to be interested but yeah there's definitely a lot of interesting art in sentinels and a lot of action sequences and like knife that we were talking about she's in a suit much like iron man's suit for most of her i think all of her character cards so Mm -hmm. parse is wearing a (laughs) t-shirt you know (laughs) yeah yeah definitely so that's sort of a quick look at some games certainly not all games that we think highlight really positive representations of of women in them i think it it's worth saying that a lot of the movement in this field has been advanced by the presence of more women in the industry it's not hard to draw characters who are women or include female characters in your games but i think that when you have something closer to a gender balance in your industry it leads to greater diversity of voices and you can avoid some of the problems of an echo chamber that just reinforces you know whether it's a stereotype or whether it's just something like a convention convention in the sense that it is conventional not in the sense of gen con (laughs) Um, (laughs) having more voices in a room is always a good thing yeah and so i think that it's really important to point out all of the amazing female designers and artists and publishers and everyone who is sort of breaking into this field and doing this work or even has been there for a long time and just sort of hasn't been recognized, I think, in a way that is, is worth doing. Yeah, exactly. I think it's definitely something, especially since, Leslie, you've joined, we're definitely thinking about it a lot more than we have in the past. Uh, and I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing to, to actually take a look and see if a an artist, if a designer is is female and like, you know, just even just to know, because it, it's good to know and it's good to see the representation in in the hobby that that we all love. Hmm. Yeah. And, and we had the opportunity at Washington to meet Jen Ellis and Susan McKinley Ross and Leslie Italia, who are all female game designers. Yes. I didn't get to talk too much to Leslie, which was really funny because we have the same name, but I did talk to Susan um, about 
our mutual experience in games and yeah. myself as a player and her as a designer and she's in the family games industry where mm-hmm. designers in general whether you're male or female are not typically recognized and it's actually interesting because there could be a lot of games in that industry designed by women and we will never know yeah and jen ellis talked to me about having a hand in choosing the art for Phoenix Dawn Command and making sure that it met her standards mm-hmm. and making sure exactly. that there weren't overly sexualized women and and how that was important to her as being part of designing that game and that was really exciting. So getting to meet other women in games and female game designers and I just I'm excited to see what else people bring to the table in the future. You know, not every game is going to be a good one. I wouldn't even, as much as I just gushed about uh, Ashes Rise of the Phoenixborn here, it's probably not in my top five games, but I do feel strongly that it has excellent representation. So, yeah. yeah. And hopefully that's something we'll see a lot more of. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a quick look at the representation of women in games and also gaming. And thank you very much for joining in. Hopefully this has encouraged you to think more critically about the games that you play, the games that you buy and support. And we look forward to hearing more about that. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Dragon's Demise. We hope that you enjoyed it. This week we have a live stream going and it's going to be a variety stream. So tune in to see what board games we have and what guests we have to play them with. And then at the end of the week, we're going to switch it up. Uh, No Pandemic Legacy this week. Instead, we will be playing Spirit Island. Spirit Island. Spirit Island. (laughs) Someone's excited. I'm excited. It's an amazing (laughs) game. So we're really looking forward to that. And you should definitely join us for that. And also, don't forget that WashingCon tickets are on sale now. They're on sale now on WashingCon.com. Uh, the convention is going to be really great. It's on September 8th and 9th this year. And just like last year, we're going to have a huge board game library there. We're going to have a lot of space for you to just hang out, play some games with your friends, panels, uh, other special guests, a lot of different kinds of events, RPGs and things like that. Come play games with me. Exactly. <laughs> and, all, and the rest of us as well. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely check that out and join us next week when we review Munchkin.